What's up, guys? Welcome back to the WRPF podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. Episode 29, my boy Joe Sullivan. All right, we're just a week and a half removed from the American Pro. I've been wanting to have Joe on here well before that, but scheduling conflicts, life conflicts have us here today and at what I think is a freaking perfect timing, right? Because we're going to we're going to talk about Joe's history. You know, we're going to talk about his extensive extensive lifting history which dates back to 2008 on open powerlifting. Nuts. All right. You'd think that you're an old man, but you're not. Um, but then we're like also going to dive into present day, right, where Joe was set to compete at the American Open, set to break his own all time world record, had to pivot into just a coaching position, which I think ended up helping astronomically paying off dividends, um, you know, that you were not you didn't have to be selfish while splitting yourself with Bree. I'm excited to talk about all that shit. That's your intro. Welcome, Joe. Hey, man. Th- thanks for finally getting me on here. And I know, like, we don't have to go into it, but, like, talk about the fucking life, the life circumstances before this and, and the scheduling conflicts. But, but yeah, dude, you know, like, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there are people that are tuning in that, like, haven't, haven't or don't know who I am, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that do. It's, I've, I've just been around for a while. I feel like an old man in the sport because I've been participating in it since since 2007. Like the first meet recorded on open powerlifting, I think is 2008. But like there were a bu- I, I've even had ones lost <clears throat> due to like rec- the records keeping issues because I a lot of the USAPL meets that I did in Michigan when I first started out were just like high school meets. And I, I don't, I don't know what happened to them. I think the, I think it's, they're literally the records are just like kept in, in a box in someone's basement, basement that like hasn't been located or something, but, <clears throat> but I've, I've been around a while and like, I was super excited to compete at the American pro. Um, you know, I, I had the extensive, the nerve injury, uh, the, the herniations in my neck that led to a nerve compression injury that like dropped my bench from 540 pounds, to like 220 pounds for, for, uh, like a year, but then was dealing with the residual effects for five, six, seven years after. And only recently I've really overcome it. And this past March, I hit a, uh, the first total PR that I hit in, uh, I think seven years, uh, or six years, uh, which was a 2000, I hit a 2069 pound total in the 220 weight class and broke my, uh, the, all-time world record uh, in the 220 class for the squat with a, an 850.9 pound squat. Uh, this past March, that was like the f- sixth time that I've broken that record in in competition uh, in a row. So I've been on a good, on a pretty good streak. But uh, talking about all of that life stress and talking about all of just the circumstances and more demands uh, from from the coaching on on the coaching side of things because I've. I have, I've always had like a good extensive roster. I've always had a, a, a group of amazing people and I still do, but uh, I've just kind of not recently, not just recently, but like in, in terms of magnitude, I have a lot of, a lot of heavy hitters on my team. I have a lot of very, very, very uh, strong people uh, that deserve a lot of attention sometimes. And I had a couple, I had like, I guess you could say six, because like Jake, Jake coaches or seven. So because Jake coaches Hassam, Hunter, and Bree. Uh, but I had Azariah Pierce, Austin Hudson Byler, Patrick McGuire, and Justin Zottle. Those were all the people that I had coming into the American Pro. And 
like, you, you know, me, like anybody who's followed me for a while. And like, Alex, you've known me for God knows how long, like I, I don't really go halfway in uh, when it comes to a lot of stuff. So like, I want to be the best coach that I can, but I also want to be the best athlete that I can. And I also want to perform to the best of my ability in, in the external factors, like all those life stressors, I need to be the best I can be in, in that context. And uh, you know, I, I kind of found my limit this prep. I, I didn't really, I never really thought that I had one, but uh, finally found like, Hey, this is kind of the top end of uh, what I can expect um, to demand for myself and not, and then not, or have get to a point where I have to sacrifice other aspects because I was doing all of these things to the best of my ability. And my training started to suffer, not, not in the sense of like, I wouldn't allocate the time to it, but I simply couldn't recover from it. I couldn't recover from the, the amount of, uh, the amount of damage that I could do to myself and the amount of power that I could generate. Cause even up until, up until uh, I dropped out of the meet, none of the reps that I completed were, were difficult. The, the, the 804 pound squat that I took uh, that uh, initially injured my back. Cause I, I subluxed a, uh, my posterior floating rib uh, on it, which then caused my QL to my quadratus lumborum muscle to get like really torn apart and just strained really hard. Um, that squat moved like a last warmup. It, it, none of my reps were hard. None of my reps were difficult and I didn't really do anything irresponsible. It was just a matter of, I kind of found out like, Hey, even if I do all that I can in terms of stress management, sometimes it's not enough. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to risk putting like 400 kilos on my back. Cause that was a tentative goal for this competition. I I'd really like to squat four times body weight, uh, at 220 at some point. Uh, so that was like the tentative goal here. And it was having tweaked my QL, which is very related into like the positions of the pelvis and like loading as you descend into the squat, I wouldn't want to risk overloading or underloading one side versus the other, because then it could potentially cause like an even worse injury, such as a, a quad tendon rupture or some type of like knee injury, some type of foot injury, something that would, or even a hip injury that uh, would be much worse than just a strain that I had experienced. Cause like right now my back's fine. Like I, I was injured, but it wasn't one of those like, Oh my God, I have to pull the plug. Cause I'm like dying. It's if like I'm surgery, go to the hospital. And yeah, yeah. It, like I've, I've torn both bicep tendons. I've, I've had, I've played, I've done that song and dance before. This one was more of a preemptive, I'm going to back off because I know that even if I like on one hand, I could absolutely force it. I could absolutely try it and it might be successful. But on the other hand, if I push this and then I potentially blow my legs off, that's the end of my powerlifting career for forever. It's like, I don't want to have to come back from that. And having been in the sport for 16 years already, it's like, I want, I want to be able to do it for 16 more years. I don't want my retirement to be forced upon me. I would rather make that decision myself. So it was just, it was the mature decision and it was the right one. And it still fucking sucks, man. Because like, I was so goddamn jealous of everybody out on that platform. That shit was so goddamn cool. But it did, it did like you said, you, you said it yourself, like it worked out, it worked out well, because honestly, if I, if I, if I did compete, I wouldn't have been able to show up as well as I did in regards to my own coaching. And I'm like, I don't, I hate tooting my own horn, but like, I was really, I'm really proud of this one. 
in, in the context of like me being a coach and, and just being there for my people because everybody kicked ass. Everybody did really, really well. Uh, I've like Patrick and Zottle, my, my two big guys, they made me fucking cry the other day because they were both talking about how like I was, I was running cause I was, I had Hunter and Bree in the first flight, Zottle and uh, Patrick in the second flight. And none of them, none of them ever had to look for me. I was always there when they needed me. And Zada looked at me and was like, dude, I didn't even know that you were hand like with the girls too. And like, you saw me, Alex, I was sprinting from back from behind, from the warm up room to uh, the staging area, staging area to the warm up room. And I was just, I was just really, I was really proud of what we did. I was really proud of what I did. I'm proud of my people. And I'm just proud of, Proud of how the American Pro turned out for all my guys and girls because it was fucking great. It was really cool. That was, I couldn't have thought of a better synopsis of kind of saying everything, saying your decision, how it all unfolded. Uh, yeah, that that was perfect. I have a lot of little <laughs> small subject matter things to kind of touch on um, in between, but let's start by rewinding because I want to know, besides just your lifting background, I want to know your education background, all that, which ties you into present day, being able to make these kind of informative decisions of, of your body and anatomy and such. But let, let, let's let rewind back all the way to finding powerlifting and kind of take me through your teen to college years. So I grew I. I, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. I was like, we family wasn't well off. Like I've told the story a whole bunch, you know? Um, and I just, I was kind of, I was a fat kid. I was, I was a big, I, I was like the poster boy, poster boy for childhood obesity. I was like 300 pounds when I was 14 years old. And I ended up starting uh, wrestling in high school and there was a club powerlifting team. Luckily, I, I started powerlifting in high school. That's why I did. It's like a, the rare occasion where it was actually a thing presented to people. And I, I didn't really take it seriously. I wasn't like I wasn't in it like I am now. It was like I would lift weights for six months, take six months off, lift weights for six months, whatever, stuff like that. But Powerlifting was always a constant because I wrestled, I played football, I went to college for wrestling, I I ended up quitting wrestling because I, I was just burnt out and I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore, I was doing it for all my life, um, but powerlifting was always there, and I was like, I don't want to give up that that uh, that competitive aspect, I still want to do stuff, I still want to like look good, and I used to be so insecure in terms of my body. So I was like, I, I don't want to go back to that. So I'll keep doing this stuff. And I signed up for a powerlifting competition my freshman year of uh, college and just did it on my own. And then the rest is history. I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, so at this uh, point, kind of college, it's like 2012-ish, 2011, mm -hmm. right? It still yep. was such an uncommon thing. You just were educated on the matter because you were one of the 1% of people who were exposed mm -hmm. to it in a high school atmosphere. Most people, the, the only people I talk to interview who can even say something like that is usually somewhere like in Texas, right? And even in mm -hmm. Texas, it was more closer to, you know, uh, uh, 2011, 2012, whatever it may be. So... From that time, 2008 to 2012, you were aware of it as a sport because you had experienced, as a, experienced it as a, support, as a sport. But did you even know other people in it or just you knew it was lifting weights and that that's all it was? It was a form of health. That, that's that's pretty much that's a really good uh, assessment of it. it. It was 
I did not have, I didn't have a powerlifting community around me. I didn't like go to a powerlifting gym. Like when I, when I trained for powerlifting in college, I, I lifted in the, the Corbo weight room. I went to John Carroll university uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's like, I, it's why I always laugh where it's like some people now, cause you see, you see how, how much exposure powerlifting has people are starting powerlifting when they're 14 years old and they're seeing the American pro and they're seeing USAPL nationals and they're seeing IPF worlds and, and all these and Sheffield and like all these amazing things. And they're like, Oh, I want to go do that. I didn't see any of that shit. I was just like, I want to compete in powerlifting. It's something to do, but I didn't have kilo plates. I didn't have deadlift bars. I, I got, it, it's funny because I got to like a 17, 25 total, I think is the number before I even had any uh, exposure to that. But I remember hitting my last heavy deadlifts before I hit that total on hex plates in the gym on a stiff bar. And it's just like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just like, I'd signed up. It, it, I signed up for the powerlifting meet. Cause like, that's the thing to do. And it's like, I just do what I can in the gym. I don't know. This is, this is what, just how it is. And uh, the best, the best uh, pieces or like sources of information that I had back then were the bodybuilding.com forums, the teenage nation articles and teenage nation forum forums, elite FTS. And like, honestly, like Ben Rice and Johnny Candido's YouTube channels, those guys, those guys as ridiculous as it is. Cause like, Ben's a fucking Twitch streamer now. Candido is still is still knocking around the USAPL and talking about coming back and all that. But it's like those were the guys that I saw who I was like I I, I looked at Candido and I was like I want to beat that fucking guy. Fuck that guy, you know. And I and then I ended up I, we competed against one another. He kicked my fucking ass at USAPL Nationals in like a, I think like 2014. I can't remember, but I know I know he stopped me, and I was just like, well, this fucking sucks. So. So at but what it, point through those years did you start seeing and like understanding powerlifting more beyond just those resources and kind of started seeing a change? I'm sure you've seen this video that a lot of people have been re reposting about like our glory years of what we mm -hmm. looked up to and stuff like that. Just watching that. It's so nostalgic. It's crazy to yeah. think at this point, it's already something that would be considered nostalgic because it seems yeah. like just yesterday in the grand scheme of things. But what well, kind of what were your early recollections of that period? So I, I have I have a good story with that one um, because it was like kind of a turning point with my own lifting uh, and, and my own journey and like trajectory of my career uh, because I did USAPL national raw nationals in 2014 and then in 2015 I went I because I went to school in Cleveland Ohio I was like let's let's go to the Arnold like a couple of me and my friends let, let's go down to the Arnold let's go see the crazy shit like go just go do the thing that all the guys that are into fitness do and we went there and I was walking around and I saw the animal cage and I was like holy shit like this is where the the guys are like it's fucking Jesse Norris Grant Higa uh uh fuck like uh Ben Seath uh Derek Kendall just Dan Green, though all those guys, like just the the OG OGs, you know. And I went there because I had seen him on YouTube, and it was all this kind of like mythical type stuff. Like I never, I never saw those guys. I never knew that they were actually people. And then when I went to the cage and saw them and like shook hands, and I was like, wait a minute, these guys are just like other guys. I, I remember getting photos with them, and I'd stand next to them, and I'm like, we don't look that different. Like what the hell is like? It just had this like little gears turning in my head. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
I've been doing it and like not re- I don't want to say not taking it seriously, but just like doing it as a side thing as like st- just staying healthy, like getting stronger. This is fun. I don't know, whatever. But then I saw these guys and I'm like, they're not that different than I am. And I'm like, if they're not that different than I am, why do they do? Why are they able to do stuff that I can't? I'm like, I think I can do this because we're the same. So I'm like, why can't I? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. And then I, it really just kind of like kicked me into the mentality of not just being like, oh, I want to, I want to do this and like be strong and like be, be cool, be decent, you know, good at stuff, whatever. I went into it after that. Like, I want to, I want to be those guys. I want to beat those guys and I want to be like them and I want to do what they do. And that's really when it kind of like, I got like the little, the little nudge, nudge in the back where it's like, Hey, go like, if you think you can do this and like do well at it, go fucking do it. And the rest is history really. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause that era, I mean, a lot of us were looking at that and a lot of us were young and a lot of us were thinking, you know, something along those lines, but you, you were actually able to make it happen, right? I, mm-hmm. I can only imagine how many people found powerlifting around that time and completely fell off, right? And and the people who were finding powerlifting, it was just one or two handfuls compared to, like you said today, the ease of accessibility of what it is today is absolutely absurd. But I'm going to go ahead and assume on your open powerlifting history, 2015, that raw unity, that was one of those really big breakouts where you were able to compete alongside of those guys. And a lot of people mm-hmm. won't know about raw unity, but if you go back and you look at those meets and you look at the roster, it's all those guys that, you know, Joe was just mentioning. And it was really like it's its own golden era because there was really only like a handful of people to top. Now the top is so cluttered and it's it's you know so many people there because respectively they did they deserve their spot there but before mm-hmm. it was like it was, you were you either here or you were way down below right mm-hmm. yeah it, it it was more it felt more like a i don't know how to describe it or make an analogy or a comparison to another like thing or, or entity but it felt like the guys at the top were more of rock stars Cause it was like, holy shit, it's Dan Green. Holy shit, it's uh like uh Jeremy Hamilton, like the Battle of the 220s, Kevin Oak, oh, Eric Lillibridge, like they were badasses. It was like these guys are like when they uploaded something to Instagram, everybody was like, Oh my fucking god, holy shit, did you see this? Did you see this? Now it's just like, oh, Jesus Oliveira squatted something insane again. And then it's like, oh, Rondell Hunt did something insane again. And then it's just like, oh, Blake just deadlifted 800 for eight. Oh, crazy. You know, it's like, it's still amazing, but we're so fine anymore. It's not exactly, which is fucking crazy to me, man. Because like, as the guy that's been in this since 2007, 2008, it's like, I stop and look around for a second and I'm like, wait a minute. Like my, my life partner just deadlifted 641 pounds. And I'm like, I remember hitting that in a meet and being fucking stoked. That's crazy. What it, I, I, it makes me, it makes me, it makes me super excited and terrified at the same time for like what happens when we have this level of exposure and this level of accessibility into this sport, not only the sport, but also the information like how to how to eat, how to train, how to recover, how to use both like non-androgenic aids and androgenic aids, like do everything right where like we fucked up. What happens 10 years from now? Because then I'm like, 
are we going to see like, are we going to see like a thousand pound squats just like regularly? Are we going to see like 600 pound benches by like natty guys? Are girls going to be deadlifting in the sevens? I don't know. It's crazy. The whole thing is nuts. It is. It's, it's friggin' absurd. Just comparing it to then to now, it's just unheard of. And what's next? It's really funny. You said that that's one of the things that literally the specific questions that I had written to ask you is how do you see powerlifting evolving in five years? You know, like if you would have said five years ago, it was going to be to what it is now. Hell no. No one would have been thinking that. I remember when Steffi first started claiming she was she wanted a deadlift 600 pounds one day, you know, in mm-hmm. 2017, 2018. Everyone's like, yeah, fucking right. It's not mm-hmm. going to fucking happen, you know. And then now there's women on the IPF side deadlifting 600 pounds. You know, it's it's yes. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's like, you know, for people to think genetic limitations or whatever it is, it's everyone just dialing in these factors the best way possible and just changing what anyone would think was biologically or humanly possible, whether it's with performance enhancers or not. It, it, exactly. And it's like that. That's not the key. It's just it's it's the combination. It, it's never one factor. Like if you look at it through the lens of a guy who like really likes to talk about PEDs, it's always going to be the PEDs. If you look at it through the lens of the guy who really is into the nutritional aspect, it's always going to be like nutritional advancements and like applications. If you look at it from the guy with biomechanics or like sports performance, it's going to be from this lens, but it's always going to be just this crazy ass combination connected like approach to all of this. And it's just about hitting the sweet spot. And I really think like we're just kind of funneling the vision and funneling the focus as, as everybody gets older, as the sport gets older, as it grows and it grows and it grows, because then you're going to get people like the uh, Chelsea that trains at your gym. Who's coached by Bree who like just turned what 19 or 18. I can't fucking remember. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just turned 18. I'm pretty sure she was under eight. She was first joined the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you, you look at Chelsea and it's like, Oh, okay. Realistically, what could she squat in 10 years? Right. I don't know. I have no fucking idea. And it'd be crazy to even think about because it, it could be asinine to consider because she's the Chelsea. Chelsea is an incredible uh, sub junior, I think, is the category uh, IPF lifter. She hit a like a 400 and I, I, I'm going to butcher these numbers. I'm sorry. It's like a 480 squat, like 260 bench and a 500 deadlift at some something close to that. But at, as an 18 year old or 17 year old, and she is just set up to be very, very good. As long as she stays enjoying the sport, stays uh, like in it and happy about training for it and and into it. I don't know where the top end with that is because she eats correctly. She trains correctly. She has a good attitude. And she is the type of person where 10 years ago, she wouldn't have known what powerlifting was. She might've been pulled into like volleyball or basketball or something or something or bait or softball. But now that there's actually more, like production or more, uh, more exposure, uh, from powerlifting to just the general population or kids these days, people can see and are given the opportunity to not just be like, like, Oh, well, I'm going to high school. So I'm going to play football. They, they can go to high school and be like, Oh, you can play football or you can be a power lifter. And there are some of those kids where it's like, I don't really like football, but I like lifting weights. And they go that route. And then Chelsea, another like same example, she just got a full ride to a, a university through powerlifting. Back in back in my day, like 10 years ago, 
if somebody told me that that was going to be a, a, a situation that could occur in the future, I would shit my fucking pants. That's amazing. That's the coolest fucking thing that I, any I, anybody, like either one of us could talk about today. The fact that, that that's even a potential thing. So I can't even imagine what powerlifting is going to look like 10 years from now. And it's like, it's hard for me it, it as, as, shitty as some of the conversations are that like even you and I have had over, over the years and like how like everybody butts heads and there's always like, man, it's like, we're trying to do good, but it's so fucking hard. And, and it's just, it's hard. Like growing pains are fucking hard. It's so when, when you take a step back and look at the entire thing, it's so difficult for me to be pessimistic about it because just the optimism is so overwhelmingly there versus any potential negatives because even no no matter for all the negative stuff that happens in the sport today compare the sport now to 10 years ago and if you could give this to the people back then they they would all jump on it and people who say people who say oh no it's the golden days back in my day make powerlifting scary again make powerlifting whatever it's like you guys don't you guys aren't the real fucking powerlifters and you haven't been in it or you were in it but now you're fucking not and you're stuck in your old school mentality and you got to fucking adapt or die that's why it's the fucking name because things fucking change and they change for the better and it's just exciting. I'm super pumped to be a power. Like this is the golden age of powerlifting. Like it, well, it might not be the golden age, but I think this is like this is like the renaissance because this is when like dominoes start falling, shit gets crazy. Liam Newell deadlifts fucking a thousand pounds. I don't know how much the kids fucking pulling. It's ridiculous. But it's like all these kids, they're all up, and it's like I'm just I'm sitting in the back, and I'm like I'm I don't think I'm an athlete anymore. Like I think <laughs> I'm just kind of a coach. And I'm just watching, and it's like, fuck, this is crazy. Yeah, just just be, really cool. Be the dad. Be the it's dad. Crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. So it's funny because you said you compare the last ten years, but we just kind of left off 2015 rum. So from 2015 rum to present day, right? You've you've ridden the whole pro circuit, right? You were there, one of the first record breakers. You were there, one of the first Kearns. You were competing along all those meets, and you know that's when. Little by little, it was a snowball, right? There was a snowball that things got like better, a little bit better, a little bit better, you know. But at what point do you think that the, that that snowball just got out of control and it just started rolling so hard that now we're at the fucking American Pro 2023 where shit's on a whole nother level? I don't know. Honestly, that's a great question because it's so hard to it would be so hard to actually identify because I think there's like bits and pieces at each and every, at, like at each and every moment, because like the, the 20, I, I, and I mean, obviously like I'm biased because I got second place to Yuri and like barely lost, like almost fucking beat him. So like 2017, that current was always like that one felt like the hardest head to head, like, because there was so much hype going into it. Cause it was, it was all the OG, the, the original gangster motherfuckers like Herbert, uh, Oak, Dan Green, Zaheer, uh, Lillibridge, fucking, I don't know, like the strength, uh, strength cartel, big boy, like fucking just everybody was at that meet, Sean Doyle. And it was just like, 
that was so nuts. Cause it was like, wait, wait a minute at that moment. It's like, I think that's when it kind of really became apparent that me that it wasn't just about like these single lifts anymore. It wasn't about like, Oh, that crazy record, that crazy record. It's like, we're kind of leaning into the, this is competition. We're here to beat other people. We're not here to just like do our best and like see what happens on the meet day. It's like, this is competitive shit. And that's when uh, Pern and Gracie and like the WRF, well, it wasn't the WRPF at that point, but they started actually handing out professional level money for these meets and giving people what seemed to be like more incentive, those guys to show up to those, to those individual meets. And I think that one was really kind of like the domino that got ticked off or started falling. Sorry, my fucking sauna's beeping. I don't know why that's going on. Um, if that keeps going, I'll go fix it. Uh, but <clears throat> but that 2017 Kern really like started the domino. And then maybe I think what really like actualized it or really like brought it together would probably be like maybe a combination of the showdown meets and then transforming into the American pro just because like the showdown was kind of, I'm going to go take care of this because the showdown was the meets that kind of happened in spite of COVID and all of the, uh, all of the like world events that were going on at that moment. And that gave, like, I don't want to say that COVID was a good thing, but it kind of made, gave people something to focus on and gave people something to lean into when a lot of meets were canceled. And it really leaned into that head-to-head -head aspect, that competitive aspect, and kind of not milked it, but like exemplified the fact that powerlifting isn't just about powerlifting. It's about going in there and having pro-level lifters go head-to-head -head and be, try to beat one another. And then the American pro took that and just built upon it. And I think it's like a pyramid up and up and up every time, every time there's like another layer laid down, we have the potential to get higher and higher. And now, now, like now look at the WRPF, look at what you guys are fucking doing. You're doing like an actual seasoned competition schedule, having regionals, having nationals, having qualifiers, having like this step to this step, to this step, to this step, and actually having like a, a, a circuit for athletes to compete in and make them feel like athletes, not just someone who's like, the, like me in college, not just some guy who's like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this meet because it lines up with my schedule. And it's like, it's like, it's my version of a 5k. It's like, it's this thing that I do every six months, but it's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go do this. This is actually becoming legitimate. And I think every, every competition, like every one of these pro competitions even though there's always been issues coming out of them, there's always been like criticisms. There's always been growing pains that occur. Each one has resulted in another like rung getting climbed on the ladder to like, what is the the pinnacle? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know where that is, but coming out of the American pro, there's not, weren't a lot of criticisms with that. And I think, I think it's getting, I think it's getting just to the point where it's like, shit, we really got something here. 
And I think it's across all aspects of powerlifting. And I think I agree somewhere around 2020 is where a lot of those steps and those building blocks across the board started becoming more present because you pull back further from that 2018, 2019 on the untested side of things. It's like, is your goal as a, you know, beginning powerlifters, I want to compete at the US Open, you know, with Andre Manelichev or whatever the hell, or I want to go to big dogs, or is it, I want to go to IPF Worlds and only 1% of people are going to go to IPF worlds, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of lower hanging fruit to kind of reach for and work towards. Right. And the WRPF side of things, like you said, there's, there's a regionals that takes you to a nationals that could take you to a pro meet, or you can compete at a pro meet on an amateur day with like the ghost clash. And before that, you know, the hybrid showdown that I had started there, those different kind of rings and same with, you know, USAPL breaking off from IPF USAPL also has those similar different steps of different circuits and different things you can follow along that are more attainable and when you mix into that around 2019 2020 2021 the growth of social media the growth of tiktok the growth of all these you know different influencers who choose powerlifting that now just gives all these eyes to the sport and if it you know even if we would have had those those assets you know in 2015 if at the top of the sport it was only these the only options were the u.s open and you have to be the the 0.01 to do it it's not as attainable. It's not as exciting. There's not these different steps you can try to climb along the way. So I agree. It's we've we've been able to grow and evolve with it and have so many different options for everyone that everyone can have their own goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And it's like that's why I mean, dude, I I mean, you know me. I could rant rant and rave about anything for hours and hours, but when people when and I mean I get it, but when people invalidate, like, oh, it's a, it's who cares about a state record? Who cares about whether you're a regional, like, champion or a or a national champion or whatever? And it's like, I get I get that the top of the top of the top of the top and the people that have the aspirations to be the top of the top of the top of the top, they're the ones that are like, yeah, all time world records are the only thing that count. That's the only thing that matters. And it's like, sure, to you maybe, but I know that if. My, like I coach my father-in-law who's 51 and I know that if I got him to a master's national championship, he'd fucking, he'd shit a brick. And that it, it's like, it doesn't need to mean anything to you. It means a lot to that guy. Let that guy fucking enjoy his shit. Let that guy win his shit. So to be able as a federation or as an entity or just as a sport to provide these different avenues and these different opportunities for people to fucking win, it's badass. It's cool as fuck. And it's, and it gives people things to shoot for because I'm the guy who like went to the animal cage in 2015. And I looked at these guys and I'm like, or whenever it was, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm getting fucking years mixed up. I'm, I'm old, man. I'm old. I can't remember getting old, but when I went there and I was like, I want to be these guys and I'm the 1% of the 1%, I actually made it happen. How many other people looked at them and were like, I want to be those guys, but then didn't have enough external feedback, positive feedback, or like just they quit because it got hard. Some of them may not have quit if they had more stepping stones to get there. If that kid or that dude who wasn't me, but in a similar position to me became a regional champion or like a second place regional finish. And he's like, fuck, you know, like, ah, I'm close. That could inspire him to keep working to the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's to have those tools and to have those avenues. It's just another reason why I really think there's like so many more people in this sport and so many more people are staying in this sport. It's not just like, 
oh, I'm going to do a meet and then I'm never going to do another one. It's like, how could you sign up for one of these meets? The way that all these meets are run, like how fun they are, how how smooth they operate. It's such a, a it's such a well-oiled machine at this point compared to 10 years ago, where it's like, how could someone sign up for a meet and then be like, I'm never going to fucking do one of those again. It's like you'd, you'd have to go out of your way to not have a good time at some of these. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, it's like those other people with that opposite side mentality who want to bash it, who want to bring it down. It's like it's really if you look at it from the outside, you need to have some kind of perspective and realize that these people are the consumers and these people are the ones that are feeding my business, your business, anyone who has some type of business in the powerlifting community or has the desire to, you know, if you just fucking throw away all that low hanging fruit and the people grasping for those low hanging, hanging fruit and tell them that fruit isn't good enough, then, you know, that that's just going to snowball in nothing. But I think that it's done quite the opposite. And again, that's where you said it's like adapt or die, you know, grow with things, that old school mentality. It's like, that's just going to have something crumble and be a memory of the past, you know, and powerlifting just left what the power, what, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, make it just a fad that was around for a short period of time. And it's not that. And I think that's what's so fucking cool because me coming up, you know, s- similar to Brie, I had this conversation with her because her and I, you know, we weren't as fortunate to find powerlifting in high school. We found it through something like CrossFit. But looking at CrossFit when I was in it and looking at all the different aspects of it, I was like, man, this this doesn't just it doesn't seem built to last, you know, mm-hmm. Um, even though there are lo- there was low hanging fruit, so to speak, if you just look at ease of accessibility, all kinds of things. I'm like, this thing isn't this thing is kind of more of a fad. It's like it's really cool that powerlifting isn't that, and that it's just on the fucking up and up, man. It's it, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's ex- it's an exciting time to be in it, dude. Like even even not like in it in it like as as like the superstar anymore, but it's like just being adjacent to it. It's fucking cool. It's it's cool. It's just cool because I love I love this shit. I know you love this shit. It's just for the people that actually really enjoy powerlifting and just think powerlifting is cool as shit. This is an awesome time to be involved in it. So this will segue into two perfect questions. All right. Because like one of them, I said, what do you see power involved in the next five years? Like we just said, it's fucking impossible to say. But piggybacking off of that, someone who's always so strongly opinionated has spoken about different things in the professional powerlifting atmosphere. It has been incorporated. In what ways do you see powerlifting? And we'll talk about powerlifting on our end of things, right? WRPF, whatever it may be, our pro circuit. It needs to continue improving further where it's still lacking. So like, how, how does it need to improve? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard. I don't know. There, I wouldn't really say that there's any one tangible thing that for me to be like, this needs to be improved. Like this is a glaring error. I don't think that there are that many, like in terms of logistics or organization at this point i don't think there is there's much of a like there there's many flaws i think the biggest thing to improve upon and and this is applied to me because it's applied to every individual in this sport on this call in any of our circles the biggest thing and the thing that is most in the way of professional powerlifting and just powerlifting in general is the people is is the individuals and our openness to criticism and openness to feedback, not just from like the elite lifters, but also from their customers. 
because that's another that like you touched on it earlier and this is a thing that a lot of people seem to lose sight of as they either get better at the sport or get more notoriety or get just b- get bigger like do bigger things they forget the people that like got them there and th- that's not like the people that got them there like i'm not an amazing i'm not a, a great coach because of the couple of like elite athletes that i have I'm a great coach because of the conversations that I've had that have led to the development and growth of the person who came to me with an 800 pound total who now has a 1500 pound total. It's, it's, it's those building blocks, the customer base that like you, you and I, whomever powerlifting federation are actually servicing. And when that customer base has criticisms or wants to not, not necessarily criticisms, but just gives feedback, whether it's positive or negative, the issue that I think we all all seem to keep running into or, or, or tend to run into because this is such an a, not a self-centered, but it's a it's a very ego driven sport is we all have we all have egos and it's very hard sometimes not to take some of that criticism personally. But if you take a step back and look at it as like, hey, I'm providing a service, I'm a business or like I'm like supplanting a business or some type of service provider thing. It's like, this isn't a criticism of me, even if it is a criticism of me, it's, it's, this is how I'm presenting me to my consumer. And I have to take this to heart. I have to understand that they're not doing it to drag me down or to destroy me. And if they are, they're not my consumer. So I don't give a shit. Fuck them. If they're going to hate, those types of people are going to hate you, hate me, hate whomever, no matter what. You could give them the best powerlifting me in, in the world. And it's amazing. And it's blah, blah, blah. Like, look at the American pro. It's like, the shit there, there were no there were no glitches the the minor critiques were like so minor it's barely even worth talking about sometimes but then did the meet there were a lot of people that were like oh joe and brie cheated oh brie invalidate her effort uh oh joe jockeyed in this manner and it's not allowed and it's like okay here are the rules this is that and just shows them that like, that's not what happened. You guys are literally wrong. That type of person who's always going to try to tear down the thing or be like, oh, the American, it's like going into it. People were like, oh, it's the Micah show because like Micah would just interview people and the start of his IG lives was his face. But if they actually watched the video, he made the discussion about the athlete the entire time. It's just the people that criticize in that manner, they're not going to buy from you. So don't listen to it. But the people that are criticizing and being like, hey, I still want to give you money. I still want to participate. I still want to do this shit. But I really like want to talk to you because I didn't like this aspect of this thing or this aspect of this thing or whatever. And obviously, it's not going to be put eloquently a lot of the times. But those are the situations where they have to be taken to heart. And I think a lot of us, myself included, could benefit from like set, just continuing to grow and be be more mature and be more mature, maturely minded people and understand that if someone has that type of criticism, it's not a criticism of us personally or you personally or Garrett personally or Anna personally or Micah personally. It's them trying to show why they think if this changed some way, it could be better or could service them better or whatever. It's just... It's feedback. Like the customer isn't always right, but the customer usually has a point and you ought to listen. And you have to have, you have to let them have a voice, you know? And it's like, that's one of the things that will separate from someone from 
a successful business owner to someone who tries to be a business owner and crumbles under pressure or other aspects of their life begin to fucking deteriorate or crumble because if they get this feedback, they get this negative feedback, they hear all these words and they take it so personally and they take it to heart and then it starts to uh, affecting how they're running their business. Then it starts affecting how they're sleeping and how that they're, you know, they're recovering, whatever the hell you, you want it to be. You know, you then see someone falling off as a successful athlete. You start seeing a business falling off for being a successful business you see a, a meat that came around and then just left you know and had left its legacy behind so I, I couldn't agree more it's some that's something that I have done a lot of learning over the years and have been able to get into a position where it's like it, I'm able to have extremely thick skin I'm able to listen to people put a smile on you know and and digest what they may be saying in the back of my head, say, okay, I'm listening to this, but also this can just get fucked because they don't know what they're saying. But you know, if you're the kind of person that you just go home and you lay down stare at the ceiling and you feel like fucking shit, well, it's going to affect your businesses and it's not going to be positive for the sport. So even though that's the way that you worded it, it's perfect as far as power thing goes, but it also goes into personal and running a business, whether it's outside of powerlifting or in powerlifting as well. You know, if you want to be successful, you got to be able to take that shit, hear that shit and not let it just crumble you. Yep, exactly. And then, and ideally the next time you do it, the next time you put that meat on or put that event on or lift in that manner or organize that team or whatever, that person comes back and they're like, Hey, this is fucking great. This is sick as fuck. Great work, dude. And you'd be like, Awesome. Thanks for the feedback. Hey. You know, and that's it. Class one goes class two, all that shit, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then like literally all of the pro meets you do like for everybody listening, I have Alex and I have argued a lot and not even argued, but, but not, not even argued, but been like, you're a fucking idiot. And like, you're a fucking idiot. No, yeah. uh, you know? And like, but, but the cool thing is, is both he and I, cause we're pro like both very, not like, ego driven, but it's like, we're, we, we think we're the shit in some context in, in different areas. Like we're both very good at the stuff that we do and we're strongly opinionated and strongly willed individuals, but we have both you and I, cause you said that you've grown a lot. I've grown a lot as well. Like, I think we're both in a position where we can have a conversation. And even if we don't agree fundamentally, we could take, I could take your feedback. You could take my feedback and make shit better because Every time I've attended the Ghost Clash, it's been better than the last one. I'm pretty sure the Ghost Clash number three is going to be better than the last one. And I'm pumped to fucking be there. I'm pumped to see the American Pro four or three, whatever. the I don't fucking know. Numbers are hard, man. Um, and just every pro meet that I go to, it's like I'm not expecting I'm not expecting a shit show because it's like there have been a couple of fucking little swings and misses in the past. But everybody at the top, this is why I've I've like I I. I have praised the WRPF in the past. This is why I think you guys do it so well. It's because all the individuals up there are like of similar mind and of similar age and of similar open-mindedness. Because even if, even if the initial thing is like, Hey, I think this sucked. And then the people are like, fuck you. This was great. It's my meat. Fuck off. But then you take a step back and you're like, ah, shit. Okay. We ought to talk about that a little bit and you make it better. Because you guys have seemed to value the feedback. And that goes so fucking far, man, That's in everything. And I'll tell you, again, this ties in everything we just said. But something that like will hold people back so much is holding resentment and having hatred towards someone because you have one little disagreement and being able to learn to get past that. Sure, it's a sign of maturity, but also just a sign of 
being better in life in general, right? Because people could easily think, oh, Alex and Joe have had their conflicts. They shouldn't like each other. Why do they like each other? No, because we've been able to have man-to-man conversations, put it behind, even if we agreed to disagree on things in the past. That's no reason to still dislike someone forever because it's so much harder to not like someone than to like someone. You know, and it wastes so much more of your time and your energy to not like someone and to have an enemy and have someone that, you know, is might be out to get you than just being able to shake their hand and be a bigger man and just, you know, accept things. So if anyone's listening out there, have less fucking enemies because there's still so much in powerlifting that people still want to fucking butthead and go, fuck that guy and fuck this guy and fuck, 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 you know? And it's like, it's not necessary. It's not going to get you further in the sport. It's not going to get you further in business. It's not going to get you further in life. And especially again, like you said, we're not ego driven, but we know we have a large amount of accolades and accomplishments, you know? The more accomplishments you have, the more people that are going to want to tear you down. But if you can put yourself above them and be the bigger person, it's just going to set you up for more success. You know? Exactly. That's literally it, dude. That's the best. Like, you could fucking end the podcast right there. because that's, <laughs> Well, that's I want to end it with what's next for Joe Sullivan? Oh, dog, I don't know. I'm so fucking... <laughs> I'm, I'm having an identity crisis right now, dog. I don't fucking know. But seriously, like I've I've had this I've had this discussion uh, with Bree and and with Jake, uh, like my coach, mentor, whatever. Um, but like I don't know. Um, I I am still training. I'm still like get, like because I tweaked the QL and tweaked the other QL. It's like I re aggravated, which is why I pulled out because it was the opposite side. So it was just a fucking shit show. But I've been training. I've been doing stuff. Um, I I am kind of in the point or at the point where it's like, I had the, I had this perfect plan laid out for myself. I was going to make the American pro do uh, my last meet at 220 and could put like a bookend on it. And then I was going to do bodybuilding for like a year or two and then come back to powerlifting as a 242. Now, because I pulled out of the American pro and I also have just such an extensive roster and I'm pretty much on a flight every three weeks for the next like, I don't know how many months, but a lot of, a lot of time. Um, I don't know when I'm going to compete. I don't know what I'm going to compete in. Honestly, it's like, I have, I feel as though I have somewhat like unfinished business in powerlifting, but I also don't even know if that unfinished business would be wise to conduct at 220. Cause the last time I got a DEXA scan, I am obviously I hang out and train with a lot of bodybuilders. I'm, I've done a lot more hypertrophy oriented work and I've gotten my nerve, my nerve injury better. So I've been able to, uh, train, like appreciably train my upper body. And my last DEXA that I got, I, the, the lean body mass number was 220.6 pounds, which is like, that's literally like, you look at that and you're like, I don't know if I should cut to 220. Cause that's, that's the amount of muscle mass that I have. It's like, I would have to be stage lean to make 220 and bone dry and doing that on a 24 24 hour way in is obviously you can do it but it's really fucking hard and it gets fucking old and i've been doing this a long goddamn time so i don't know i don't really have an answer like i'm still in my training right now i'm just kind of focusing on getting bigger training for hypertrophy and still being proficient, uh, at the squat bench and deadlift to hold on to like my technique there, uh, as I get larger. Cause I do think, I do think my time at 220 is at an end. 
just because of how, honestly, how some of the prep went. It was so, all the reps were so fast and so smooth and so strong, but I don't know that I have like the torso to handle the power that I can put out these days. And I, I kind of think it would do me better to just be a little bit larger. And obviously I don't want to get fat. I don't want to get like, just get shit weight on. Um, so I am still, I'm still on the meal plan, still training, but I do think, I do think I'm not done with powerlifting because like, I like bodybuilding but bodybuilding isn't my passion. That was just like a side quest and more of a, honestly, more of a marketing thing than anything, because it's like, Hey, I also coach bodybuilders, but like, I've never done it myself. I do coach bodybuilders, but I've been highly involved with it before, but just do the thing, get on stage and be like, huh, huh, uh, okay, I can do it too. Cool. You know, it's not my passion. It's like, I am, I'm, I'm before I was Joe Sullivan AOD on uh, Instagram. I was Joe Sullivan powerlifter. I was Joe Sullivan powerlifter for like, 15 or I don't know how many years, like 10 years, a long time. That was my only thing before. It's like, I am that guy. So I don't know if I'm going to compete next year. I don't know if I'm going to compete the year after that. I don't know if I'm going to compete the year after that, but I am just going to keep training um, and trying to get closer and closer to a 900 pound raw squat. Uh, and then even beyond that, because even, even if 220, even if four times body weight, so like 881 at 220 isn't in the cards, Four times body weight at 242 is 970. I don't know. I've done, I've, I feel like, I feel like stranger things could happen. So I don't know. I really don't. I don't, I don't have an answer. And it's like, cause I have, I have athletes that I'm coaching at the Ghost Clash. I have athletes that I'm coaching at a meet the next month. I have athletes that I'm coaching uh, at uh, uh, this fucking exhibition event thing in, uh, uh, September. And then I'm assuming probably going to have nationals again in October, probably going to have the American pro in October, going to have all this stuff. And it's like, I got, I got a, a bunch of, I just got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm like, man, I think, I think for now I should just be coach Joe and, and train and see what happens. Cause I, I am going to lift in the animal cage too. So if I could squat nine in there, that would be, that'd be pretty sick. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to be back on the platform or what I'm going to do, but I do I do intend to be back on the platform one day. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how close my numbers will be to, uh, to what they are now. Cause if I devote like a three year off season to it, who knows, who knows what the top end is. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's cool how much peace you have with it because it's also, you've gotten a taste of it and it's so refreshing and like business and, uh, you know, business PRs and seeing other people succeed and seeing how far you can push yourself in, you know, in your life in those other aspects, bring a whole other different type of fulfillment, you know, mm -hmm. and being able to dive just head first into all that and not have to like split yourself and be selfish in some aspects, not in the others. And just see how far you can push your business to set yourself mm -hmm. up for retirement in your future. That shit's exciting as fuck, too. That's all that I get off on, and that's all that I do. I hardly even work out now. I'm a I'm a shell of my former self when it comes to that, but just because I throw myself so heavily into my business and, and my life in that aspect. But I'll tell you what, it's fun. It's exciting. I'm excited to see your roster continue to grow. Excited because, like, like I said, I to be able to see you in that element at the American Pro and continue to get that fulfillment. It's super exciting, too. And I know if and when you want to have a comeback, it'll be a strong one. So excited to see it.
Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to being at the ghost clash with a lot of my people and having some more fun. And, and like, I think I said it already, but it's worth repeating. Like the American pro, it was, it was amazing, man. And honestly, as, as a guy who's been competing in powerlifting for like 16 years, that was probably the most fulfilling weekend that I've ever had in this sport. And it's just very, it's an odd, odd feeling for the guy who was, who was, and still is the athlete. Cause it's like, I still have my all time world records. I'm still, I'm still in the shit, but I didn't even fucking lift that weekend. And I'm like, I didn't even like, I didn't even miss it. I was, I was there. I got what I needed from Zottle heaviest Canadian total of all time. McGuire, heaviest squat, heaviest bench of the meet, 22-33 total, like number, I think like 18 heaviest ever, and he just missed 24-02 because he got soft lockout on his second and third because Joey and Aaron hate him. Not really. It was just it was just close. It could have went either way. But he's he's just a big he's a big boy. It's hard to make your knees look locked. But but that fucking Azariah Pierce. Fucking 1970 total at, at 220. Fucking Austin Hudsonbiler, first meet, first big meet he's ever done. Hits like a 1700 po- total at eight, 181. And everybody just fucking kills it. Bree literally makes legendary goddamn history. Hunter is just fucking Hunter, benching like 370 faster than I can bench for or like 225. I don't fucking know. And it's just like, what more could I want, man? It's so, it was so fucking cool. I literally came out of that weekend and I was like, I think I'm the happiest I've ever been, man. It's like, this is crazy. It's wild. It's just really cool. It's really cool to be in this and in it the way that I am right now. So I don't know. I might come back and do Ghost Clash 6. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. Life is freaking good. It was great to sit in and chat with you, bro. I'll see you at the Ghost Clash. I'm sure I'll see you before then. Sign us out. Let everyone know they can find you. Thanks for having me, Alex. Um, I'm Joe Sullivan underscore AOD on Instagram. Uh, the website is theaodcollective.com. If you need to get a hold of me, I always answer DMs. I have a contact me button on on my website. Uh, I do phone consultations, whatever. I'm not hard to get a hold of. I'm all over. I'm all over the internet in that regard. So just shoot me a DM or hit me with an email. Be more than happy to talk to you about coaching. More than happy to give you recommendations on good coaches out there, or just talk about mentality and bullshit because i always got something to say apparently so uh, thank you guys for tuning in thank you guys and i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the wrpf podcast